Hello, everyone. Welcome to the official Outlander podcast. I'm Matt Roberts, executive producer and writer. Welcome to episode 708, Turning Points, um, written by Luke Skelhaus and directed by Joss Agnew. When we were uh, breaking the episodes early on in the room, we always knew, um, because we always do this, e even when we have, uh, even when we had 13 episodes and went down to 12, we always do a break, um, we call it a mid-season break. And that's the way we break story. That's the way um, we deliver the, the, uh, the episodes to Sony and stars um, with the intention of having, um, you know, some sort of break in the middle. Sometimes it's as short as two, three weeks. And then other times it, it can kick up and be longer than that. But so we knew, we knew going in that episode eight would, would be that episode uh, given the fact that there's, you know, we had 16 episodes. It was pretty, pretty simple to just, point in the middle um and go let's you know let's drive the story um to episode eight have our moment of of uh, our cliffhangers and and ready for the the second half is what we called it the other thing that we're acutely aware of that when these go out into the world, we go week to week. We're one of the one show that does that. We air week to week, and other shows, you know, are are drop. They drop the whole season, and those shows can plan their episodes a little differently in the sense that they know they're going to be binged, um, or or watched. Uh, you know, sometimes there's eight episodes, sometimes 10. And a lot of people just watch those over the course of a week or, or a couple of weeks. They, get, they, they drive right through them. And you, you don't, in those instances, you don't have to create as many cliffhangers because you don't have to bring people back. They're going to be right there. You know, they're going to watch the next episode because it's, it's available. So for us, we know that we create sometimes many cliffhangers, um, and sometimes bigger cliffhangers. This one, uh, this episode has a bigger cliffhanger, of course. Um, I'm going to digress here slightly because I always like when um, Jamie goes out, gets himself hurt, usually um, injured, near death. Claire finds him that that visceral reaction of of the relief of seeing the loved one alive and well, you know. And, and um, it's that moment where you, you want to shake them and go, God, why did you do that stupid thing you did? And, and then the, the relief turns to love. And, and, and um, But I love that initial reaction by Claire um, and then by, also by Jamie, who always tries to um, lighten it for the person he's talking to, whether that be Claire or young Ian or, or Jenny or whoever he's talking to uh, in the past. And um, he, he tries to make them feel at ease, even though they, he knows that he was in grave danger and his life was very much on the line. So um, 
that was uh, uh it's all those are always fun to me fun moments and that you get to see this uh you know passion really pop off a screen and they do such a great job there in, in that particular scene um uh, uh i'm gonna go back to the, the plan so the plan here was to create um this cliffhanger but in the, in the world of Outlander, let's face it, the the Frasers um, don't have a lot of peace. Um, at least not on our show. I know that there's, you know, there's there's quieter times in the book. Diana has a lot more time to play with, whereas we don't. And you want to give them um, peaceful moments because it it helps you know the audience catch their breath and i think over the last three seasons we've really pushed hard to try to incorporate more of those uh breathing scenes obviously we're never going to be able to put um all of them in certainly the amount that some of the book reader fans have read over the years they wanted they want them all and we can't fit them all so we try to to fit as, as, as many as possible, but um, they do work too. They, they actually work in the story to give the audience that, that needed breath. Uh, so going back to um, th this particular episode, we, we knew we had, we were going to have some issues with the hand. The wound in, in the book is very severe. We knew we didn't have enough, you know, runway to to provide the time for the perfect healing. We have to jump time in the episode, so that was always a concern. We had a lot of meetings about the hand, what it's going to look like initially, and going forward, what you know, the healing process, the scars, and everything. And, and you know, it always astounds, uh, astounds, astonishes, whatever befuddles me in that we do our best to uh, pull it off so to speak in that we, we have a kind of a rule in the room is don't break the dream and the dream is you start the episode and when you get to the end hopefully there's no breaks in the dream where you're like hold on wait a minute what's going on now, yes, there's going to be book readers who know the story and they'll they'll stop and go, why why wasn't this scene in or that's not the way it happens in the book? Well, of course, we can never that you can't contend with because that's, you know, that's foreknowledge. Somebody knows something that may or may not be in this particular story because this is the television series. So but for a person who has no knowledge of the story. You want them to seamlessly turn it on and go all the way to the end. And at the end of the day, meaning at the end of the show, we have we have something that we call in the room when we're debating something, we're fighting over something, and someone brings up a, a great logic point. There's there's logic in 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 continuity and the, the structure of the story and and reality. Um, the authenticity and, and there are, they're just, you know, and we're a fictional show. We tell fictional story about fictional characters. We incorporate real characters from history, but the, obviously it's a historical fiction um, 
So, but we try never to break the dream. That's the goal. And um, we spent a lot of time talking about, well, the wound and the scar and this, and, you know, is it, it's daytime or should it be nighttime in this shot because of the story and how it's flowing and we're cutting back and forth between another time period and you don't want that to be jarring. You don't want to cut from day to night constantly and throw people off. And so there's, there's all these little calculations that go into creating an episode and the, all of it at the end of the day is don't break the dream. Make sure that it flows, make sure that they get to the end, make sure that um, hopefully our audience is bawling in tears or bawling in, with joy or bawling with, ecstasy you know i mean there's a lot of crying on outlander so that's the goal and then we have a phrase in 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 the room where we'll say when somebody brings up a point you'll go yeah but that's refrigerator logic it's not just logic it's refrigerator logic meaning if if you can get through the dream and there's a little bump or a little hole in the story it it's okay if at the end of the day, when somebody goes after the show to the refrigerator and opens it up, open it um, to look in to get a snack or something, and they go, "Hey, wait a minute," and I'll give you an example of that from from uh, episode seven, we knew that um, Phil, the Phil Collins song um, came out in 1981, and we knew it was 1980. But the goal was in the moment the people, the audience would go with it. And maybe when they were getting that snack after the show down the road, when they were like, hey, wait a minute, I remember Phil Collins and I remember that song. I don't remember it being out that soon. And then they go, obviously, they look it up and lo and behold, there's the logic and there's the bump and there's the hole. Well, you know. I don't think it I don't think it distracts from the story. Um there are you know throughout the history of Outlander there's plenty of continuity mistakes. Knock on wood, thankfully we haven't had any water bottles and scenes or um uh, uh things like that, but yes, we have had things, you know, where um there are continuity issues, you know, there are you know in life. So why not in film and tv uh so that long dissertation about wounds and continuity um uh, i bring it up because it's it's something that as we're watching and post over and over and over again you know people ask one of the big questions is how many times do i watch these episodes um and i I cannot, one day I'm just going to count from the time I get the first cut and until the time we deliver. And I'll, I'll count that up and I'll give you a number, but approximately uh, watching it all the way through is different because I'll watch, I'll, I'll, I'll go in and watch a scene because it'll be cut and it'll be ready for me to see and I'll go and watch it and then I'll give notes or whatever. We'll try to, you know, adjust. So I'll, I, I could do that 50 times on one scene if it's not working um and trying to get it to a place where it works 
So, but there's other scenes that just are, hey, that's great. That one works. Let's move on. Um, so it, it's hard to just put a number on how many times I watch an episode, but it is it is quite a bit. And I oftentimes um will watch on uh when it airs uh, i'll watch it just to i'll fast forward through it i'll tape and watch it just to see um what it looks like on as it's delivered and i'll watch on the app just to see what it looks like meaning i want to see if the color looks right and you know if it if everything is popping where it should pop you know it's more of an aesthetic look than i'm looking for story because i already know what's in it um so hopefully that thoroughly answers that that non-answer thoroughly answers your question um we 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 get this a lot and it's more less question um from the audience and more from people who review and and um recap um, I, I, I tend not to read re- reviews, but they get, I get the, our, our PR and marketing, um, uh, from stars and Sony will send, uh, send us stuff and there'll be cl- little headline clips and, um, I might glance at them. I tend not to read reviews. Um, but one of the things they'll say in, it's kind of over and over again that outline, you know, Oh, this was a slow episode or, you know, the, the pace of the show. And I was, I was always curious about that in that some things go fast, like a hair and some things go slow. I don't know, like a tortoise. Um, and I think we all know how that story ends in the sense that things just move at different speeds and it doesn't make one good and one bad. It's just, that's the appropriate speed that that goes. And, and I wonder what the comparison is. Are you comparison or comparing or not you, I mean, they, or whoever the proverbial they, are they comparing um, Outlander to, you know, a fast and furious movie. Well then yeah, Outlander's pace is slow compared to that, but you know, it's a different show. It's a different thing. It's a, it's a different animal, so to speak. So um, in, in answer to that is I think Outlander moves at the pace it's supposed to move. And this is one of the things we talk about in tone meetings and concept meetings and and uh all the way through the prep period is i have a saying that i say you take the fast corners fast and the slow corners slow it's a racing term where a car you know a race car goes into a corner and there are corners and turns that you can take at high speed because that's the way they're made and there are scenes like that scenes like this one that we're talking we're looking at right now where Roger comes in barreling in with a bunch of energy and there's all this passion and it has to have pace. It has to move. You can't let this go for a long time. And, and the language speech, but the previous scene with Jamie and Claire and their tent, they're having this quiet private moment. That's a slow corner and it should go slow. And a lot of scenes with Jamie and Claire, certainly 
you know, when they're alone in their, in their chambers or in a tent, it, it, it should be a slow corner. And then you have scenes like on the battlefield where she finds him, it should have more pace. And, and you're not, you know, this is not an instruction to the actors to talk faster. It's more energy than it is um, speed of uh, dialogue. And, and you can see, we do, we do a lot of things to um, bring it all together. Sometimes it's, it's, you know, we ask bear, we'll say bear, we need, we need a pace with this. We need to build up the energy in this episode, in this uh, scene. And he finds that. And, you know, the directors will talk to the, uh, the actors. The actors see it on the page as well. You know, they'll know when the scene needs, you know, pace. They've been doing this a very long time. So they'll, they'll know when to bring the pace and then when to bring it down. So, um, but it's a balance. You know, you could talk roller coaster, you could talk, you know, racetrack, you can, you know, all these, you know, different analogies you use to try to communicate what, what you're looking for. And the thing about creating a television show or film or anything um, artistic that's collaborative is, you know, everybody has an idea. Every, everybody's bringing a talent to the show. And in a weird way, you know, someone, uh, another question I get quite a bit is what, is, what does a showrunner do? And I think the simplest way um, is a conductor. A conductor keeps the tempo of all these talented people. And they're all bringing something to the piece. And everybody has to be in sync. Everybody has to be in time. Everybody has to be in rhythm and tempo and be at the right pace. And that's what the conductor does. He keeps that, but he also picks a lot of the, the, uh, the, the arrangement. He arranges the, 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 the music and um, makes sure it's, it's all going according to plan. Um, so that's, you know, and in a film, it's the director and, and yes, we have different directors that go out and, and, um, while they're on set, they're the conductor, they're doing the same thing. They're bringing all the talent to, to bear. So it's like a, it, it is, it's like a great opus that you're just trying to make sound beautiful and all the instruments are working together well all the instruments are all the instruments you know whether that's the setting and the location and the costumes and 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 the hair and makeup and and the actors and the performances and and the you know we're we're trying to bring it all together and you know it, it you can only do what the choices we make or the choices we make at the end of the day, that's what they are. We leave out so much because there's so much um, in the books. Um, and we hope to make those decisions in the sense that, oh, that are best for our television series. And it's taken me um, a little while, you know, early days, you know, we had this, the, the outlander book season one 
at the end of the day was probably one of our easiest in the sense of story. It's so it's crafted in a way that, that the cause and effect in that story is really just laid out for us. And it was, so we just followed it and it worked out. Whereas the, the books as they go, get more and more complicated to work out and there's more characters. So the more characters you have, it's uh, becomes more complicated because, you know, again, we have a finite amount of time, whereas the book has an infinite amount of time because, you know, of course, Diana can write, you know, 10,000 pages and everybody's going to read it. Um, and uh, you can re read at your, you know, your own pace. You want to spend a, a week reading Outlander? Yeah, I was, if it's 10,000 pages, I know there's people that devour the books in in days but they forego um i think every everything in their life to make that happen i know when i sit down and when i first read the books um way 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 back um i was a reader and i was tasked they, they handed me the production company wanted to make some movies and they handed me um a couple of the books that were out at the time and I, oddly enough, read the way they stacked the books, Dragonfly, Outlander, and Voyager. That's the way they were stacked. And I didn't even, I just assumed they gave them to me in order. So I read Dragonfly first. And then I read Outlander and I was like, oh, now, now everything's making a lot more sense. Um, and uh, then Voyager. Um, and, you know, in... In, in reading them, you go, oh, my God, this is going to be fantastic. Not as an hour and 45 minute movie. Um, so oddly enough, I, I passed on the books, meaning when you do a cover, when you do coverage, you write up, you know, basically what's in the book, you know, main characters and you write the kind of the overall plot. And then normally that's for a script. That's one page. And you, you, you write you know, the, a, what's called a log line, you know. Uh, World War II nurse, you know, goes through time, falls in love with a Highlander. That's kind of a log line. That's a very simplified log line. But, and then you kind of break it down. Uh, uh, what happens in the story? And then as a reader, you, you pass, recommend, or recommend for a read. You know, different companies have different, you know, um, uh, uh, category some people don't recommend they just either they just pass and they move on because they're trying to they have a, a huge stack of scripts well this company had um wanted to do these books they wanted to make tv movies out of them not features tv movies and so at, when my recommendation was passed with the caveat these would make an excellent tv series if you ever want to go down that road um and, you know, obviously a lot of you know the story. Flash forward, Meryl was, you know, Meryl Davis, producer on the show, um, who works with uh, producing partners with Ron. Um, their offices were across the hall from my office. And I heard her talking and I gave her the book. You know, she said she wanted to find an epic uh, book series. And I, I had them on my shelf. And I said, here you go. Make that into a TV series. Here we are about... 20 years later um 
because that didn't happen immediately. I know it took a while once she read the books of trying to get the rights and all the, the, the things that all the hoops you have to jump through to get something made. Anyway, um, that's, that's that story. Oddly enough, this, this particular moment with, uh, Benedict Arnold, um, was, was much bigger when, when this episode was delivered, it was to, to me, um, this section was much bigger and we were trying to figure out a way to, uh, bring it down in time. Cause we have a, we have a limit, you know, it's 59 minutes is what we can, what we can deliver. So, um, just trying to cut, cut certain things out. You obviously there, there are scenes that are uncuttable, meaning whether it's like, we're not touching it no matter what. Um, and, uh, you know, you can you can see the the scenes early on in this episode. Um, you know, after the battlefield, Jamie and Claire, you know, healing the wounds, having these intimate moments of of, of those really quiet in the tent moments. I thought were were um, so well done. The lighting, everything, the acting was great. And those that was like that's no matter what that stays um, in the sense because you know it's it's the story you know it's their story so we got to uh, tell it and then when when these other characters start popping in you go how much of this do we really need um when you're way over and and uh so this section was much longer and we we, we cut it down quite a bit we took a, a couple a few minutes out of this section um and uh i think the pace works i think you get enough of benedict arnold to feel um, uh, to feel who he is and, um, to help explain the, uh, the boot from the beginning. So the turning points, you know, hence the title card where the camera turns around and we see it's the boot hanging there. And that story was, well, you know, you guys have already seen the episode, so you'll know that, um, you know, why that is. And, and I always like title cards when, when someone presents a title card, um, I always like it to be that kind of nugget that doesn't, you don't quite understand in the moment you're watching it. Sometimes, you know, you do and audience members who know our story really well, they'll jump ahead and go, I know what that exactly what that is. And, and that's cool. But there's a lot of people that, that don't, and they'll get the answer when, because you know, the one thing that, I've also learned over the years is our audience pays attention and that is a blessing and a curse. Um, we don't ever think that we can pull the wool over our audience's eyes and we don't ever try because from day one, our audience pays attention and to every little nuance. And that was one of the things we did in, season five at the end of season five when we were creating those um associations of claire and we were going back and they were these dreamlike sequences and and the goal in talking to the art department was i want the kitchen sink in this episode and i want all these memories and all these little pieces thrown in there and, and it was gary Steele at the time and his team 
um, really took took that to heart, and we put in so many nuggets and and, and Easter eggs, whatever we, we we want to call them, and people noticed, and and that was really rewarding for for us, you know, when we got um, you know on social media blew up with people counting all the little nuggets and. I have this many and I have that many and no, did, I, did you see this? And you, and, and just the banter on that was really cool to um, hear about, you know, a lot of people were telling me uh, that about the list, I'm not on Facebook, but um, a lot of, uh, a lot of the Facebook groups were talking about it. And it was really cool that to know how much the audience cares about those little things that, that, you know, a lot of other shows, I think, um, uh, don't spend the time doing. And and I'm not saying they, they all don't. You know, I've watched uh, plenty of shows that do callbacks and they do them fantastically. And, you know, I was watching an episode of a television show. I'm not going to name it here. But and in the first season, there was just a, a, a couplet of dialogue. Just two actors, two lines. That was it. Two seasons later, they called that back, and it was brilliant. And and I thought, well done, well done. And you know, that's that's kind of the goal when we we go back over the books. Just because we finish a book doesn't mean we're done with it. And we make sure, you know, we have a this. We use cards. We write down story points on cards. We hang them on the wall. Well, they never get thrown away. We always keep them. We take pictures of them. We write them down and we make sure they're in our database of, hey, remember that scene we were talking about for season four that didn't fit because we didn't have enough time or this and that? Can we get it here? And somebody will dig it up and we'll go, hey, it works. Let's put it in here. Now, I know that um, uh, one of the one of the things I um, have uh, people ask why I don't talk about every scene in in the in the episode that I'm doing, and that's because sometimes there isn't anything to say about the scene. It interprets itself. I don't like to interpret scenes for the audience. I like them. I like you guys to do it for yourselves. Like I can listen to um, a song or read a poem or, or, or watch a television show or a movie or whatever. And it, it'll mean something to me in this moment of my life. And it'll mean something completely different to someone else. It might mean nothing at all to them. And that's fine. But for me to sit here and go, this scene is about this and this is what you should feel about it is I'll never do that. That's not who I am. And I've watched movies when I was younger and they meant something to me and then I'll rewatch them. And they mean, they don't mean that at all anymore because you're going through something in, in your life. Um, I will say something about this particular moment is we knew in episode seven that we weren't going to show Jamie in battle. And we knew that, that uh, I'm sure there was going to be a clamor about it. Like, Hey, how come we're not seeing our hero 
in battle well, it was because we knew he was going to be in a major battle right now and um we we do also there are there's something in story called you know the law of diminishing returns and that's when you keep seeing something over and over and over again you feel less and less and less that's you know military training you 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 train and train and train and train and train so you can go out and do it so the effects aren't as great once you get there so the same thing works in story you know and and there's a if you constantly see someone going to battle and going to battle and going to battle and going to battle and, and you know nothing happens other than injuries then you're not going to stress worry well when you see jamie laying on the ground you know almost dead in the previous episode then you see him in battle here you might worry about him you're going to remember there are a lot of people that don't know these books they don't know that the outcome they don't know that what's going to happen to these characters so um you know we have to build story like that and it's not you know as much as it's jamie and claire's story we also have to tell the story of his son because his son means so much to him we have to see what he's going through obviously this moment um shooting his son's hat off we really you know very it was paramount that we get this in um really cool book story so um and then uh the simon fraser of it all and you know, just building this battle. I think Josh did a really good job um, with the assets he had, meaning the amount of people, the location, horses, um, two different sides that he obviously filmed at two different times. Um, and just building out this battle and making it feel uh, like the battle, the second battle of Saratoga. Um, and I think... Uh, you know, personally, my opinion is he did a fabulous job and everybody involved did a great job. The essays, hair, costume, makeup, um, the, the just, just fantastic. Um, that was uh, Barry O'Connor who plays uh, Daniel Morgan. Does a great job in this episode. He's just so likable. His his uh, lilt, you know, his cadence in his speech is just fantastic. Um, we built this this great big facade. This this readout is a real thing. We built it. It it doesn't quite show how big it is, but it is pretty big. And it's you know it's a a deterrent, you know, to 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 keep uh, to ward off a charge. Exactly what it's meant to do, so they can take shots but but the in this instance the um the colonists they had uh, the numbers they over they overran it um we what we did here is so this fight sequence took place i was um standing on one of the ramparts on the on the other side there watching this whole thing and it was it was really cool to watch live i will say that um dom pierce our our, our stunt coordinator who's been with us from day one did a fantastic job and uh anyway so this was all film we got the cut and we realized that a piece that was missing was jamie had just shot 
um, his son's hat off and there was a retreat. So we wanted Jamie to be looking for uh, his son because that's one of the big. So we created this moment and he thinks that's him. And then obviously it isn't. And but it almost, you know, his worry for his son almost gets him killed. Thankfully, young Ian's there to save him. So there was bits and bobs that were, I mean, all this stuff was really cool. We had so much great footage that Josh got us and, and, um, but there was that emotional in the story in, in these battles, there's always got to be an emotional story. And I think Alamance was a great example of that. What heightened Alamance for the television show for us is that Murtaugh was on the other side. You know, what heightened Culloden for us was that Blackjack was on the other side. And that that finally that 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 battle was going to take place. So to me, when we filmed this, we filmed the battle and it was all there. It was just it was so great. But that one little that missing element was the emotion. And we got um, uh, enough people back. And there was this we created through the through, through cutting and adding a couple shots. Um, of Jamie looking for his son and the worry on his face. And Sam, you know, um, he, he played it. You feel like he's looking for his son. You know, he's, he was worried about him facing him, you know, on the battlefield. We've had this conversation over the course of the season. And so it needed to come to pass right here. And, um, and I think everybody, you know, did a, did a great job. So this is what I was talking about earlier in that there's these moments with, with, um uh benedict arnold in in that when someone on their show who we don't have we don't spend a lot of time with normally they spend more time in the books with with the character and then when something happens to them there's this emotional you know feeling of loss grief um and we don't have as much run-up we we can't spend as much time with these characters uh, because we have to spend time with our main characters. So um, one great example is from season one is the, the Jordy who Claire and, and Dougal have a scene over him dying. And um, I think I talked about this uh, a couple of podcasts ago and, and about how Graham and Katrina just really brought the emotion to that scene. And they cared so much that then the trickle down was you started caring about it geordie kind of through osmosis um and uh the same thing kind of happens i think with benedict arnold you start to feel empathy you don't have to feel sympathetic for the guy but um certainly because you know what he does later but he didn't do it here and the lead up of why he turned into the man he turned into is that's part of the story that um uh and i think they they uh that scene sorry i was looking at the scene here um to see where we were anyway uh it's it's commentary and 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 testimony on how uh, great our cast is that they can make you feel strongly about someone that you haven't seen a lot whether that be benedict arnold or um, even William, because he hasn't been in the show that, uh, as as much over the years, you know, obviously bits and bobs. And then, you know, this this year you got a chunk. But to to watch and to see how 
Sam looks and feels about him, you know, uh, portrays Jamie feeling about him, that instantly you, you create that bond. And, um, and I think, you know, that is across the board, you know, with all, with all the, the actors, you know, the really powerful moments and you kind of vicariously go, Oh, I feel that way too, because Jamie loves them or Claire loves them. And, um, and, you know, that's our show. So Simon Fraser here, you know, didn't spend a lot of time with him, but when, when, um, you know, uh, Sam comes over and you start to, to, you know, you get this moment with them and Gallic and, you know, it's, it's just a, a really, you know, I'm going to use the word lovely because it is a lovely and it's a powerful moment. And he, you know, we asked bear to bring in some music and, and it's, it's a really, you know, for me, powerful moment with a character that we don't know that well, but because Jamie has these feelings because Jamie cares because he's bringing all that to bear. How can you not care about this guy and his, his life and his death? And um, I think it's obviously in, in the writing, it's in the directing and it's in the acting and, and it all comes out. And, and that's why I think at the end of the day, people cry on our show. And, and I, to me, I love that going way back. You know, one of the questions you get before an episode is always, Hey Matt, how many Kleenex boxes or tissue boxes am I going to need for this episode? And, you know, I always, always thought that was a, a, a kind of a fun barometer of what's, what's coming in our episode. Oh, it's, this one's going to be a tearjerker or this one, you know, learning a, a little bit about our audience over the years is that I've never met a group. Um, well, I've met any of you or just through media reports and social media is that it's like, you know, when people go to a horror movie and they want to be scared, that's why you go. You don't go and go, God, I, I hope I don't get scared. You're, it's like, I hope I get scared a lot. Um, you know, in a, an action flick, you want the adrenaline, you know, rom-coms. You want to feel, you, you know, giddy and, and laugh and, and feel warm inside that, that romance is still alive. Um, and an outlander, people come because they want to feel things. They want to feel joy. They want to feel sadness. They want to feel euphoria. They want to feel. And at the end of the day, they want to feel through their tears because there's so many different kinds of tears. They're, it's not just mourning. It's not just sadness. There are, there are tears of joy that, you know, I, I think we shed tears, tears of joy as much as we do sadness. So, that's what we tried to provide. We try to provide that in um, as much as we possibly can in the time frame that we have. Um, I, I, I like this um, moment in, in this story um, 
Jamie, in in, I think that this was played nicely in that you physically probably really want to just hug your son and tell him you love him. And 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 what what Claire did to Jamie in the opening scene, I think Jamie probably wants to do in a in a way to his son, like, what are you doing out here? Don't just you're alive. You almost got killed. Now go home and be safe. And 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 you, you almost kind of feel look at look at Sam's eyes here. He's like, I'm gonna go and shake this guy, but I can't. So I have to do the only thing I can do. And then at the end he says, I had to, I had to talk to him. I had to say something to him. Because I might never get that chance again, because he knows his son's going to fight again. He knows that that because he would, and he is. I like this line coming up too. Anyway, we we uh, we built out this camp, and there was two sides to it. There was that that big facade of the readout that you saw where that big fight took place. And then across the field, um, quite a ways, you know, probably 400 yards, maybe 500 yards away was another camp. And then in between off to the side was our base camp. And, you know, it facilitated both, uh, uh, both separate areas. And we would, you know, one day there would be, Hey, let's do, um, rebel camp another day was hey let's do um uh british camp so we're going back and forth and it, it just was our, our location department um speaking of a hat scene hats off to them i mean they, they found all these great locations throughout the whole entire season but their job was so hard this year um Again, season one, going back, everything's Scotland. We're in Scotland. We're filming in Scotland, about Scotland, about Scots. And, you know, you can fall out your back door and find a beautiful spot and just go, hey, hey that's Scotland. And, and that's not the case anymore for us. So to find a place that can both, you know, that can play all these different things. Um, and then the big thing is servicing it. It's not just going and go, hey, this is the greatest location on earth. Let's film here. It's, you know, we have to be able to service it. I think I told a story about, you know, uh, just where do we put the, where do we put the, the, the restrooms? You know, where do we put the toilets? And because um, that's a major concern when you've got 200 people, 300 people out on a day. And, you know, where are you going to park them? Where are you going to put, you know, how, how long does it take to get from set, which this is right here to um you know either base camp or the tech pad or whatever so um a lot of a lot of little dinky things that add up to a lot of big things um and then we we try to um you know there's we have a qc process so Every little detail is looked at over and over and over again. Hey, is that tree, you know, or is there a cord there? Is that thing supposed to be there? Or 
hey, what's that thing hanging off the tent? Is that a wire or is that a tie? You know, I mean, we go through a lot. Um, and again, the the detail that our art department uh, put in are off the charts. Same with hair and makeup and and uh, costume um, to bring it all to bear. I know I've, I've, I repeat myself and... Um, You know, expressing how much appreciation I have for our crew, um, but I, I really, I really do appreciate the loyalty and hard work that they put in to make these episodes what they are. And I mean, I'm talking from the runners across the board to all the way to over to me. You know, I think that everybody puts in such hard work to make these things. To make this show, you know, um, all the way, you know, the actors, you know, all the hard work and the time and the effort they put in to and uh, uh, the, the, imagine the set deck. They have to get there at the crack of the middle of the night sometimes to set something up for the next day. Um, that's happened more times than I can count. There's a whole crew there setting up um all this stuff changing it from one camp to another camp or or um you know changing out all the flags and all the barrels and all the things because it has to look different than the other camp new tents um one thing we did here is uh we film out of order and there was this last moment in the episode um was filmed way out of order we we got a ship it sailed up from um southern england and had to come all the way up to uh, uh to scotland and it docked and it was it was fantastic we we filmed all the ship stuff from episode one and in this episode and all the main title shots and all the things that you saw and we did that all in one fell swoop and we had different directors. So uh, Josh, who had, was in prep, um, uh, he was prepping and we brought him up and he filmed the last moment in this episode way before he filmed anything else. And it was so, um, it was really cool. We had big old gray screens behind the boat and, and this is a again testimony to you know the acting in that moment is um what what Sam and Katrina and John are looking at is a dock there's cars and trucks and you know all over the place where they're looking so you know uh, we gave them kind of a fixed point of hey that's Scotland over there and they did such a great job in finding that point and looking and all the emotions they bring to that moment. And then behind them was a big gray screen. And then, you know, John Neal, our, our uh, visual effects supervisor, laid in all the ocean. And we had a ton of ocean um, shots from season three. So it was great that we could make that work. Um, oddly enough, we didn't have a ton of Scotland shots, um, from the sea. So from the ship looking at Scotland, we didn't have a ton of those. 
um, in our little archive. Uh, so um, here's here's kind of a, a thing that it, we we tried to figure out how to do this and Mandy and and uh, the continuity and when to show the second part of this, which is obviously coming up um, in the back half. And because we go up there and we film the whole thing. So all this was filmed at, at one time. So you'll get, you know, uh, the rest of this um, uh, when we come back. Hugh Ross, who plays Arts Bug, really came into his own this season. And and it's not for lack of, you know, anything other than, again, we didn't have a lot of room for the bugs in our story leading up to this uh i wish we did i think uh, you know they're both uh, very very talented actors and i wish we could have just given them more and more well this year uh uh arch has kind of a a, a story after his uh, mrs bug gets killed and we brought this kind of ominous moment and he plays it so um casually like why would she wouldn't be worried and that's what's so nice about it is she's not worried at all we are and he does it so well that you almost you know you feel for the guy too i mean his, his wife murdered you know and he loved her more than anything and, and again i always fall back to imagine what jamie would have done if claire would have been murdered and you know in front of him you know yikes so that's why I have a lot of empathy for Archbug and what he's going through and the pain and and what he feels like he's been put through. Um, and that's why that moment is, was, for me was really cool in that uh, in the way that it was directed and played is that it was it was there was a casualness to it. Just, um, you know, Rachel bumping into a friendly guy on the road, but everybody on the other side of the camera here, us. We know, uh oh, that can't be good. Um, well, hopefully, you know. Um, <laughs> I love when we can get in any humor in our show. I think you got to have a balance. I know we don't. Again, I'll always talk about time. Is I love moments when when our family, the Outlander family here laughs and jokes and and has these these moments and and going back to what we were talking about earlier when i say we i mean me um is the one thing that was mandatory when we were breaking the first half is we have to end on an upbeat outlander over the course we are notorious for ending on a downbeat and i really really wanted to end the first half on an upbeat, on a swell, um, no pun, and uh, and and to give the audience hope, because we all know what happens to these two people. They're good people, and bad things happen to good people. And you know, let's you know, let's have that moment. And I think you know, obviously, Sam and Katrina really brought it here. We're ending on them and um 
it meant and and with gregory doing the song and it, it just felt like an upbeat and hey you know hang in there for Droughtlander, i don't know how long it's going to be uh they don't tell me anything anyway it's been a pleasure doing the first half um hang in there we'll try to do some podcasts for you over the Droughtlander. um send me some questions um over you know i'm on instagram not much on twitter anymore but uh send me some questions and uh, we'll try to answer them over Droughtlander. Anyway, it's been lovely wherever you are in the world. Have a good evening. Have a good morning. Have a good day. I'm Matt Roberts signing off for now. Talk to you soon.